Good morning. Good morning and welcome to Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church and to this service of worship. If you are worshiping with us for what is one of the first times, we want to say a special word of welcome to you. We are delighted that you are worshiping with us this morning. We look forward to getting to know you and to greeting you following worship in the atrium. We invite everyone to join us following service for coffee and for fellowship, a time to connect with one another after worship today. If you are a visitor in our midst, we also invite you to stop by the welcome desk where there are folks who are there uh, to answer any questions that you might have about the life and mission and ministry of this congregation, as well as to pick up a welcome bag that has some information and a treat, a sign of our gratitude for your presence with us in worship this day. I do invite all of you to find those blue friendship pads that are located at the end of your pew, and if you would, take them and sign them, sign your name, and um, Leave your information for us, both a way um, that you might register your presence with us in worship today, but it's also an opportunity to note the names of those who are worshiping on the pew with you. And so as you pass that friendship registry down the pew, when it reaches the end, we invite that last person on the pew to send it on back so that you can um, open the pew register and again, learn one another's names so that you can greet one another personally, both during the passing of the peace and then also after worship this morning. You'll also notice in your pews that there are connect cards and prayer cards. Connect cards are there as an opportunity to fill out if you are looking to get involved in a particular mission or ministry in the life of this congregation and want to go deeper or want, just want to know um, more information from a staff member, we invite you to fill that out and place it in the offering plate. There are also prayer cards. If you have a joy or a concern that you would like to make the pastoral staff aware of, fill that out and again drop it in the offering plate. It is our, our privilege and our desire to walk with you and to pray with you and for you on your journey of life and faith. And so um, we appreciate and love getting and knowing what's happening in your lives and the opportunity to pray with you and for you um, as you experience different things in life. So do, do fill that out and drop it in the offering plate. If you are familiar, you'll know on the back page of our worship bulletin, there are um, a list of things that are happening, mission and ministry things that are happening in the life of our congregation, ways to get connected to God and to others. And so each week we invite you to read over those and find ways to plug in. Just to highlight, next Sunday we have an opportunity for fellowship over lunch, but also for learning. Our February Lunch and Learn will feature our PHPC Foundation. Thanks to the foresight of some of this church's longtime and founding members, um, Preston Hollow has a foundation, which really is a rarity among Presbyterian churches, but um, founded in the early 90s, it was a way for the church to secure its future plans and its bold dreams with monies that happen outside of the operating budget. And so um, that lunch is a chance both to connect with other people, but also to learn more about the work of the Preston Hollow Foundation and what they do and how you might get connected um, to their work. So. I invite you to mark your calendars and make that um, an opportunity upcoming. We also this afternoon do have a wonderful opportunity to give glory to God through the gift of music and to celebrate with our organ scholar, um, Jared Cook, who will be offering a free concert here in the sanctuary at 2 p.m. Jared is just an amazing human, but also an even more gifted musician. And so that's a chance to hear um, his gifts of music in the sanctuary this afternoon. So we invite you to that opportunity. Friends, this is the day that the Lord is still making. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us worship holy God this day.
family of faith with joy in our hearts, I invite you to join me in the call to worship. Give thanks to the Lord, for God is good. God's steadfast love endures forever. Welcome one another in Jesus' name, for Christ is truly present among us. God walks with us on the journey of life and of faith. Let us worship God.
family of faith to come before God with the truth of our lives in itself is an act of faith. We trust that the divine wants to be in relationship with us. God is interested in us, interested in our minds, hearts, and souls. And we trust that God's mercy is extended to us too. So in faith, let us pray the prayer of confession together. Holy and gracious God, at times we feel so frail and fragile, getting blown about by the latest crisis, by bad news, by our shortages and failings. You call us to hold fast to what is good, but so often we flounder, unable to find the solid thing that will center us again. Help us, we pray. Help us see you as our center and to cling to the good you created in the world. Help us set aside all our jealousies and prejudices, all of our betrayals and lies, all that adds to the world's hurt. Help us to grow even more in Christ-likeness that we will bear his love and truth to the world. We pray in his name. Amen. Friends, the love of God is beyond measure. And you, all of you, are included in that love. So hear and believe the good news of the gospel. We are saved by grace through faith. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Friends, knowing that we are forgiven and claimed, we now turn our hearts to one another. So I invite you to pass the peace with your neighbor, sharing your name and sharing a hug, a high five, or a handshake in greeting. Friends, the peace of Christ be with you. You may be seated. 
At this point, as we strive to open our hearts to hear what God might have to say to us through Scripture, I invite you to join me in centering ourselves in prayer. So let us pray. Good and gracious God, you have come to your people in quiet and mysterious ways, speaking your word of hope and challenge. And you have come to us directly in the presence of your son, Jesus. So we are here this morning, hearts on our sleeves, eager to receive your word, to watch for you at work in the world and in our lives, and to listen for what you have to say to us. So startle us, awaken us, challenge us, and be with us as we strive to be your faithful people. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. So we are in the home stretch of our current sermon series entitled, Is It Just Me? The things we wrestle with but rarely talk about out loud with one another. Uh, this Sunday, I want us uh, to focus on the topic of relationships. And you may be uh, thinking, okay, what do you mean by relationships, Matthew? Do you mean uh, romantic relationships like uh, who I'm dating or who I'm married to or who I've been in partnership with for a long time? Or do you mean uh, like friendships? Do you mean like how are we in relationship with our friends? Or do you mean being in relationship with our kids? How are we in relationship with our little ones? Or now that our little ones have grown up and they're out of the house, uh, do you mean how to be in relationship with them? Or do you mean how to be in relationship with our family, even those family members we only see once a year and we're not quite sure how to be fully in relationship with them? What do you mean by relationships? Are you going to cover all of that? And I would say, yeah, we're going to talk about all relationships. <laughs> Let me just say this. Um, in preparing for this sermon in this sermon series, I think that we should do a sermon series sometime just on relationships so we can dig into all of those. But my goal for this sermon this morning is for us to sort of look at the 30,000-foot view of all of our relationships because I think that there is something critical that is missing from any relationship that we are in today. And I'll tell you uh, where this all started for me. It was 2002, I was home for the summer from college, and I was sitting um, with a friend of mine that I had grown up with, his name was Ryan. And Ryan is always an early adopter of technology, so uh, that means if there is something new, he always tries it. If the new iPhone comes out, he always buys it. And he was telling me, he said, Matthew, there is a new technology that is going to change the world. And I said, what is that? And he said, text messaging. <laughs> and I said, talk me through it. He said, well, it's the ability on your phone to send a text message, like a message to someone else's phone. And I looked at him and I said, Ryan, I'm not really sure this is going to take off, man. Isn't that counterintuitive to what a phone is? <laughs> and he said, no. I mean, what, what, if, what if you just want to say something really quick to someone? You could type it in your phone and send it to him. And I said, so wait, you're telling me that it's easier to take these little buttons to hit them three or four times to get the letter that I want so I can send, spend 15 minutes putting a message together to then send it to them instead of just scrolling through, finding out who I want to talk to, hitting the green button and talking to them? 
And he said, yes. Because, Matthew, what if we don't want a 15-minute response to your question over the phone? We just want to know whether or not you're going to be there. And I said, so this is going to take off, huh? And he said, yeah. Anybody want to guess how many text messages were sent in the year 2000? 400,000. There were 400,000 text messages sent in the year 2000. Uh, there were... There were 12 billion emails sent that year, though. And from the year 2000 to 2010, we went from 400,000 text messages to, in 2010, 4.5 billion text messages were sent. Uh, there were 107 trillion emails sent in 2010. And there are some of you uh, in this room who build data centers for a living, and you're like, yes, there were. <laughs> but check this out. In the 10 years since, today alone, only in the United States, we will send 6 billion text messages. Today. Not this year. Today, that means um, every American on average will send 32 text messages today. And some of you are thinking, yeah, I got a 16 year old. They send like a million themselves, right? This year alone, actually not this year, today, we will send 306 billion emails, Americans. I'll let you do the math on that, and then I'll let you um, do the arithmetic to figure out how many of those you think are actually spam emails, right? <laughs> From, we started in 2000 with 400,000 text messages. And 20 years later, we are sending 6 billion text messages. Uh, how we communicate has totally changed. How we talk to one another, one another has totally changed. Long are the days when you had a question of the person that you worked in the next office to, you no longer get up from your desk and walk over and say, hey, I got a problem. You send them an email. You work 12 feet from these people. And you no longer go and meet with them face to face. How we have communicated uh, has totally changed, but how we interact with the world has also totally changed. Do you know that um, today, the average American will spend two and a half hours on social media? True story, two and a half hours. So think about this, at the end of your life, whatever your number is, 110, you feel like you've lived enough years on this earth, someone will stand and say, so Chuck, you spent five years of your life on social media. How do you feel about that? What if they said you spent five years on social media? How much of that time was life-giving for you? We're watching, on average, five hours of television a day. 
We started at 400,000 text messages to 6 billion text messages to two and a half hours of our day or five years of our life on social media, looking in to other people's lives. And now we are spending five hours a day on television, having our realities and our opinions and our thoughts so shaped about the world around us. And yet, over the same period, we are spending less and less time together. And this is what I don't mean by together. The average uh, couple in America will spend two and a half hours in the flesh with one another in a given day. Most studies show that the majority of that two and a half hours that you spend together is actually done watching television. What show are we gonna watch tonight? Literal words out of my mouth last night. <laughs> I'm not throwing stones at glass houses. Sometimes you're just tired. We're spending less time uh, interacting with our kids. Don't get me wrong, when they're screaming their face off uh, in the restaurant, just give them YouTube kids. These people are gonna hate us. We're spending less time with our friends than we ever have before. Do you know that uh, Americans spend on average 38 minutes in the flesh with their friends. Something about this, we know we are not full. Raise your hand uh, right now if you spend an hour and a half on social media and you feel really satisfied, like you accomplished something. There is something deep within your body, deep within our bones that is telling us that while we're engaged in this, it is not life-giving to us, that it's not providing the connection we really need. In between uh, services, a neurosurgeon came up to me, only at Preston Hollow, came up to me and she said, you know why that is, don't you? And I said, oh, no, 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 but please tell me. <laughs> she said there's a part of the brain called the thalamus, and it was named by the Greeks. They would have named this part of the brain at a similar time to when Luke's gospel was written. And she said the thalamus is literally translated in the Greek. I'm going to read this to you. The wedding chamber. She said the thalamus is the part of your brain that is the wedding chamber for all of your emotions. They all meet there. And the thalamus only lights up. You ready for this? When you have human interaction. The thalamus is stagnant when you're doing email, when you are uh, on social media, uh, when you are watching television, your thalamus is not activated. It is, your body knows. It knows that it is craving a deeper connection than the one that you are giving it. Your thalamus knows. No matter what relationship we're in today, my dear friends, I think that uh, we have an issue of not being incarnate with one another. Incarnate, being in the flesh, carne, like carne asada. <laughs> Glad we're all here. Carne 
asada, like being in the flesh, the meat of life with one another. I think we're walking around with a lot of opinions about a lot of people we never met. I think we're walking around with a lot of feelings that we don't know quite what to do with because we haven't spent the time in relationship to resolve them. I think that we are walking around lonely because we've got an incarnation problem. Um, being in relationship really uh, literally means uh, two things that are connected to one another. And it seems to me that we can't be fully connected to one another unless we're having that human interaction. Sorry, my microphone's popping. We can't be fully connected to one another if we're not having that human interaction with one another and if we're not being incarnate with one another. And I think that we learn this from God. And God does something really remarkable. God, uh, Yahweh, does something beyond what every other God thought to do. The philosophers of, uh, of the time believed that the divine was revealed in minds. And God moved from words into the flesh in Christ. God moved from mere words and took on flesh in the life of Jesus. But that's not where it ended. I'm going to read two verses for our sermon this morning. And they come to us from the book of John, the first chapter. Listen to verse 1, and then I will read verse 14. So in the beginning was the word... And the word was with God, and the word was God. And then verse 14. And the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory. The glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God didn't just take on flesh, and that was the end of story. Did you hear it? God took on flesh and lived with us. Who's not included in the us in that statement? No matter what community that you come from, you can claim us. And it seems to me, my dear friends, it's how I read, it's my lens by which I read higher scriptures. This is a story of a God who is really interested in taking on flesh, being incarnate with God's people. And so God takes on the flesh and claims the people of God. It's why Jesus, uh, when Jesus came, uh, walks around and claims women and men alike. It's why Jesus goes to the margins and finds the widow, those who have been so cast aside from society that they don't even count, and Jesus claims them and names them. It's why Jesus shows up and he claims the prostitutes. He also has dinner with tax collectors. It's why Jesus uh, claims Jews and Gentiles alike. It's why Jesus, when telling stories about what the kingdom of God is going to be like, uses an oxymoron of a good Samaritan. 
There's nothing as a good Samaritan. You know what Samaritans are? If you're Jerusalem, Samaritans are Gentiles. And you don't even call them Samaritans. You don't even call them Gentiles. You call them dogs. You want to talk about being disconnected from your own flesh? From who you have been created to be? Using language, dehumanizing language for another people? It's a good indicator that you're disconnected from who you were created to be. Jesus spends all of his time, God, in the flesh. God in the flesh with all of God's people. And not only does God, Jesus, spend time with them, he is constantly bringing people together who would never make their way to one another without him. Think about it. He is constantly bringing together those that the world would never put at the table together. Lord's Supper, final table on the night of his arrest. Tax collectors? Fishermen? Business people? Widows? People raised in the faith, people who have not been raised in the faith, all at one table. So the question then for us, my dear friends, in every relationship that we have is this. If God takes on the flesh, if God chooses to take on the flesh, how do we choose to take on the flesh in our lives and in our relationships and in this world? How do we need to move from mere words to the flesh of our lives. Example, um, I knew uh, two couples, they moved into the neighborhood about the same time. It was one of those neighborhoods where um, you moved in, everybody had young kids and everyone was gonna raise their kids together. They had moved in about the same time, five years or so had passed, they had become friends. Uh, they took care of one another's dogs when they were each out on vacation. And the craziest thing happened a couple years ago. There was an election, and uh, one of the neighbors put a Trump sign right in the front yard. I just said that word, and I saw some of you hold your breath. <laughs> the next-door neighbor was incensed. I thought I knew these people. I've had them in my home. My kids go there. They boiled for a month. And four weeks later, they ordered a Clinton sign and stuck it right in the ground in their front yard. Some of you in the room are now holding your breath. <laughs> they uh, didn't really talk to one another. Like a month went by. They would wave when they went to the mailbox or when they were pulling in and out of the neighborhood, but they stopped really talking to one another, and then something happened. Uh, one day, one of the neighbors, her husband had a heart attack, got rushed uh, to the hospital where he had to have emergent surgery. This uh, mom had tried to call everybody in her uh, 
phone. She couldn't get a hold of anybody. And she needed help, so she called her neighbor, the one that she hadn't talked spoken to in a month. And her neighbor answered. And she said, I'm so sorry to bother you. I know we haven't talked in a little while, but my husband just had a heart attack. He's having emergent surgery right now, and my kids, they're at school. I, I, I can't leave him. I need someone who will go pick up my kids and just take care of them. And her neighbor said without hesitation, don't you say another word, I got it. And they hung up. Not only did her friend drop everything that she had to do right in that moment, she went to the elementary school, she picked up her neighbor's children, she got them home. Not only did she get them home safely, she then fed them a snack. She then got their homework done, and then she told those kids to get back in the car, and she drove that car straight to the hospital where they could see their mother and their father who was now out of recovery from having heart surgery. And don't you like how I haven't told you which neighbor went with which sign. (laughs) Friends, we can stay up here in our words and what we believe, and it will limit how we take on the flesh in this world. And the invitation to this faith is to move from mere words to live out, to be incarnational, with our neighbors and our families and our spouses. There, uh, one of you stopped me in the parking lot, it must have been a year ago, and you said, I know that I've been asking you to pray for my daughter and my son-in-law. I know that you knew I have concerns about their marriage, but I just want you to know, since they've had that grandbaby that I adore, I see him being a father that I never thought he could be. I thought I knew what kind of dad he was gonna be, and he has surpassed even what I could have expected. He's the best father that any little girl could ever ask for. Friends, we can spend a lot of time up here. We can spend a lot of time with our thoughts and our words, but how they take on flesh in our lives is where transformation happens. So my question for you this morning is this, where where do you need to be incarnate? Where do you need to take on the flesh again? Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's with a friend that you haven't spoken to in a really long time. Maybe it's with your faith. You've been going through the motions for as long as you can remember. You, You can stand up and recite every creed, but you're not really sure what that means for your life. Maybe it's with your kids. I'm going to close with this story. It's the most powerful story of flesh that I know, and you've heard me say it before. My, uh, one of my mentors, uh, Steve Eason, was the senior pastor at Myers Park Presbyterian Church in Charlotte. And when uh, Steve was called to be the senior pastor of Myers Park in Charlotte, it was a big move for he and his family, and so they invited his mom to join them on that trip. Because his mom had late-stage Alzheimer's, and he couldn't stand to be separated from his mom, so he moved his mom into one of the Presbyterian communities uh, right there in Charlotte, and so he made a commitment to her, I will visit you, mom, every day for a month. It's a big transition for you, it's a big transition for us, and so Steve gets 
to Presbyterian Village there just outside of Charlotte, and he visits its mom for 14 days straight. And every time he visits her, there is an older gentleman, what we used to call dapper, starch shirt, khakis always tucked in, what we used to call boat shoes, loafers. And he was always sitting right next to this woman who was elderly, sort of in a wheelchair, but her vision, she was always looking sort of into the future, past the present moment. And so 14 days after visiting his, his mom, Steve finally stops and says, you know, I've been visiting my mom for 14 days, um, and I, 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 I've seen you every time I'm here. And the man said, well, what's your name? And he said, well, na my name's uh, Steve Eason. Paused, and he said, oh, you're the new minister at Presbyterian Church. Steve said, yeah, I am. He said, well, we're, we're part of your congregation. My name's Bill. This here is Sally. Steve said, well, Bill, it's so good to meet you. And Bill said, yeah, Sally's been uh, journeying with Alzheimer's now for five years. She doesn't know much anymore. She, frankly, doesn't remember my name. And Steve said, God, Bill, that's got to be hard. It's got to be hard to show up here every single day and sit with Sally for hours, even when she doesn't know who you are. Bill said, that's not the point, preacher. Sally may not know me, but I know who she is. Steve said, yeah, but it's still got to be hard. And Bill said, yeah, well, we did say, preacher, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. Friends, it is one thing to stand and to say those words. It's an entirely different thing to show up next to your beloved and hold their hand every day of your life for those words to take on flesh in and through you. So the question is, where do you need to be incarnate? Where are you in need of incarnation? Because I think that's one of the greatest gifts. In fact, I think it's the thing that relationships are built upon. Why don't we pray? God, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus the Christ, who took on flesh. Bring us together who would show us love and forgive and how to live in this world. May we reflect, may we take on that flesh so that our lives would reflect your love, mercy, grace, and peace in every relationship. For we pray in your holy name. Amen. Friends, one of the things I love about the Presbyterian Church is that in every service, every voice is heard. So today, as we join together our voices in the affirmation of faith, I invite you to listen to those around you. And may it be a reminder that you are connected here. For when we show up in this space, we are in relationship. And that is powerful. So friends, let us stand and say the affirmation of faith.
God of holy mystery, beyond complete knowledge, above perfect description, yet in love, the one eternal God seeks relationship. So God creates the universe, and with it the possibility of being and relating. God attends the universe, mending the broken and reconciling the estranged. God enlivens the universe, guiding all things toward harmony with their source. Grateful for God's loving action, we cannot keep from singing. As we prepare to pray as one voice for our church and for our community and for our world, I would invite you to take note of those joys and concerns that are listed on the back page of your worship bulletin, that you might remember those members and friends in your prayers in the days ahead. You will notice that there are quite a few names on that list. This community has folks, um, quite a few folks who have experienced the loss of a loved one. And so we invite you not just to pray with them and for them, but perhaps also um, if they are known to you to pick up the phone and reach out and call them or send a card in the mail, we know that that connection, that relationship would be meaningful to them at this difficult time in their lives. We also do invite you following worship to head through the doors to your left and there are tables underneath the windows just around the corner where we have care letters. They're sent to those in this community and beyond who are experiencing joys and concerns, um, whether a moment of celebration or a difficult moment in their lives. And so it is part of our practice, part of our incarnational um, relational practice that you are invited to add your signature to those letters, whether you know those members or friends or not, that those letters are mailed to them and become a source of encouragement and hope for them um, at this time in our lives. So we invite you um, to do that following worship. Friends, let us go before a loving and ever-present God in prayer. Let us pray. Creating God, you made us for relationship. Relationship with you and with one another. 
In the beginning, you reminded us that it is not good for humankind to be alone. And so you give us the gift of your presence and the joy of companionship with others and with all of your creation. And so we remember and give thanks to you this day for those relationships that touch our lives. For friends and family and coaches, spouses, partners, teachers, those who believe in us and encourage us, those who challenge us, all who make us better versions of ourselves and any who see us as we truly are and yet love us all the same. God, in thinking about the blessing of those relationships this morning, we also ask your presence on all who long for deeper connection and for meaningful relationship in their lives. For any who long and wait for a partner with whom to share their lives or any who long for meaningful friendship to share their days. God, remind them of the friend that they have in you and guide each of us to reach out to others in connection, trusting that we have gifts to share and presents to offer. Loving God, we also lift up to you this morning any who grieve the loss of a person or a place or a relationship that was dear to them. We remember and hold up to your light and your love the community at Texas A&M and all those who have lost a loved one to gun violence. We pray that the connection of relationships of alumni, of students, of faculty would surround that community and give them courage for today and hope for the days ahead. We pray for your comforting spirit for all those who know loss and pray for friends to come alongside them for the journey. God, we are indeed grateful for your gifts of good work to do in the world and for the ways that the relationships of work and home provide us with ritual and meaning and purpose which grounds our lives. We also ask that you would be with all of those who are wracked with worry or anxiety about any of the demands that life has for us, about those who are worried about their health or the health of those that they love, about work or money, about their children and their children's well-being, about their marriages. Encourage any who worry. Encourage them that you are already with them, that you are that still small voice in the midst of the storm, and remind them to breathe and to trust. God, you are indeed the God of our whole lives. And so enter the deep places of our lives and claim us for your purposes that we would be freer than we are, bolder than we dare, and more obedient than we would choose. In the name of the one who became flesh and lived among us and taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, God took on flesh to teach us how to draw near to one another. So in worship, we show up and we pass the peace and we sign the friendship pad and we greet our neighbors around us. But we also are intentional about giving back to this community as an effort to be in relationship with those who are not in this room. So friends, today every single dollar bill that is placed in the offering plate will go to support I Poor Life Texas, which is a program that is supporting at-risk youth homeless youth through partnerships with two DISD schools, Maya Angelou High School and the JL Patton Academic Center. So friends, let us give generously.
collaborative creator God. You call us to join in your work of love in the world, and you equip us with all that we need to follow your lead. Now make us generous of hand, heart, and mind as you are. And as we return to you a portion of your gifts, we pray that you would receive them as a sign of our gratitude for your unending love and guide us as we offer our whole selves in your service. Amen. At this time, I would like to invite all those who are traveling on our racial justice and equity pillars to come forward to the chancel floor. Next Sunday, a group from this church will be traveling on our second annual Racial Justice and Equity Pilgrimage. We will be traveling through the American South and have an opportunity to visit historical monuments and touch points as a part of that history. This group will also have the unique opportunity to visit with many people who were proximate to the movement um, or many who participated um, in the civil rights movement itself and so provide a um, unique experience for them to be in relationship with one another and with other people. Some of you may be um, familiar with Brian Stevenson who wrote the book Just Mercy. That movie is in theaters now. I know many of you um, have seen it and have mentioned that to the pastoral staff. Brian is often asked after he speaks, people come up and they say, what can we do um, to participate in change in our communities? And Brian says, get proximate, which is really what Matthew was talking about this morning. Get proximate, get in relationship with other people. And so this trip is an opportunity to be proximate, to be incarnational with communities um, in the American South and to visit those histories and to build relationships, to hear stories, to allow those stories and relationships to impact our own lives, past, present, and future. And so we are grateful and seek your blessing and your support as we go on that trip. Um, we hope that you will pray with us and for us as we travel and that you will also um, follow along on our social media and on the Preston Hollow blog. We will be writing and sharing stories um, from the 16th to the 22nd as we travel. And so um, are grateful for your support. As the team gets ready to travel, we would invite you this morning um, to join in a liturgy of commissioning that we would go with your blessing. So please join me in the liturgy that's printed in your worship bulletin. As one body with many parts, we commission these members to go on our behalf, to be present to our partners in Christ. With God's help, we go to join in what God is already doing in the world. God calls us to love God and love our neighbor. With God's help, we go to bear witness to the good news of reconciliation in Jesus Christ. Jesus frees us to love God and love our neighbor. With God's help, we will listen and learn, seeking to witness to the stories of others and be transformed by the Spirit. Together as one body, we are able to love God and love our neighbor. With God's help, we go so that we can come back, empowered to work for a just world for all. As you go, we go with you, awed by God's wonder, present with our prayers, changed by your commitment, and empowered to work together upon your return 
for a just world for all. Friends, let us pray. Holy Spirit, be with this team as they have answered the call to be with and for our neighbors just as you are with and for us. Surround them with your protection, fill their hearts with joy and with thanksgiving, and pour out your wisdom and your grace into their service. We give you thanks for those whose stories they will encounter, for their hospitality and generosity and the invitation into their lives and into their communities. May our partnership and our travel be a light in this world so that all may know of your love and your glory. And Holy God, bring this team safely home, that we all may work together for your kingdom. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. You may greet our team in the atrium following worship, and I invite them to be seated as we stand and sing our closing So my friends, as we go forth ship, it will work one day. <laughs> Maybe next Sunday, we'll find out. Uh, so as we go forth from this hour of worship to be the church in the world, may God give us the grace never to sell ourselves short. Grace to risk something big for something good. Grace to recognize that the world is now too dangerous for anything but truth and far too small for anything but love. So may God take our minds and think through them, and may God take our lips and speak through them, and may God take our hearts, each and every one of them, and set them on fire. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all, and guide us in our many, 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 many different ways this day and all of our days. May it be so. Amen. Amen.